A'udhu Billah Sami'a Al-Alim Min Ash-Shaytan Al-Lahin Ar-Rajim Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim In the name of God, Most Merciful, Ever Merciful, and may God's peace and blessings be upon His Holy Prophet Muhammad and the purified members of His household and progeny. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad wa ajjil farajahum. Brothers, sisters, respected viewers, Assalamu alaikum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And thank you for joining us once again in our series, Life, the Islamic Answer. So on the agenda for today, uh, inshallah, we will do a quick recap of where we are in the series, uh, followed by uh, spending a little bit of time going through the principles uh, that should have been highlighted as we were going through the jahl, the topic of jahl, uh, th since we did not do that, uh, as we've been doing with all the other topics. <coughs> and uh, inshallah, this will be followed by an introduction to uh, the next topic that we want to uh, engage in within the knowledge series. Uh, and this time it's going to be uh, action and intention. Uh, and then, inshallah, time permitting, uh, I got an answer that I thought, uh, a question that I thought I would answer uh, here since um, I thought it might be something that uh, others are interested about as well. So inshallah, we touch on that after uh, the uh, lecture on uh, our series. So as we said from the beginning, the entire intention behind the series uh, or the motivation or the initial drive for the series is that we increasingly realize that we are living in a very complex world, a world that's changing and moving very fast, which means that the types of questions and the types of issues and challenges that uh, we are faced with are also getting more complex. They require a different way of thinking or uh, more sophisticated, more complex answers. So that is uh, in general. And then from our perspective as Muslims, we are always concerned with how to live our lives in the best possible manner uh, in accordance with uh, Islamic teachings, in accordance with the principles of Islam. In other words, how do we live in this increasingly complex world Islamically, uh, knowing full well that perhaps the way of thinking and the answers that may have been valid and relevant and useful a while back or in a different society or in a different culture uh, are no longer going to be sufficient for us given the new realities that we are facing in today's world. And then also and beyond that, when we look at the pace of change and the amount of change happening, we may also wonder, does religion still have something relevant to contribute and to help us navigate the complexity of the world in which we live? So what can it give us? What tools, what knowledge, what uh, you know, equipment uh, can it give us? Instruments can it give us so that we can address this uh, these types of difficulties, this type of complexity as we are finding in the world. So we began, after this introduction, we began the entire series with the first theme. The first theme being 
knowledge. Uh, and inshallah, throughout the, the exploration of the knowledge theme itself, uh, it became evident why we began with this as a first theme. To understand how to live in this complex world, we began with knowledge. So we said that the series is going to be made up of a, of a number of themes. There's at least going to be 10 big themes that we're going to be addressing. The first one is the theme of knowledge. Within the theme of knowledge, we have a number of topics that we want to look at. The first one was the importance of knowledge itself and the importance of aql, reason. So ilm and ma'rifah on one side and reason, aql, on the other side. And the truth is, we said these, these notions are two separate notions. Oftentimes, we find them uh, presented as though they are one uh, or two sides of the same coin. But the truth is, when we spend enough time really understanding what aql is and what knowledge is, we see that these are two separate notions, but they are very much intertwined. There's a very strong relationship between them. And so we spent a little bit of time trying to understand that. In terms of chronology, in terms of how things actually happen in the real world, human beings must first acquire knowledge and then use aql on that knowledge and use reason and intellect on the knowledge they've acquired. So the first thing you're acquiring in this world is knowledge. And then you apply reason to that knowledge. In terms of importance, however, aql is more important than knowledge. And so this is why when you go back and forth in the hadith and you go back and forth in the verses of the Qur'an, sometimes it's not clear, right? So to add this clarity, it's that you cannot apply aql to nothing. Aql applies to something, to some content. The content is your knowledge. The knowledge can be true, can be false, can be partial, can be superficial. There's deeper knowledge to be gained. All of that is going to be filtered through your apple. That's how you're going to go through all of that knowledge. So the first thing you're acquiring in this world is the knowledge. And you're applying your apple to it. But in truth, if you look at the order of importance, apple is a lot more important than knowledge. Apple comes first. Your true humanity is based on your level of apple. But apple doesn't work on a vacuum, on a void. It needs something to work with, and that's the knowledge. Okay, so... Uh, we, we talked a little bit about this and then the introduction to the entire series of knowledge, of course, was that this is specifically and particularly important in our world today. We live in a world, as we said, where all of the major, all of the most advanced societies in the world are trying to become what they call information societies or knowledge societies. The world is now considering knowledge and information and the use of knowledge and the control and management of knowledge as the main capital, as the main source of power in the world. It used to be other things. It used to be, for instance, your possessions, your wealth. Capital used to be things that are owned. And now we are in the realm of knowledge. And so what does this mean now? What does it mean that the world shifted? Why is it called a revolution? Why do people say that humanity has gone, or societies, if you look at all of human history, they have gone through these revolutions, right? And we talked about that. All the way to this fourth revolution, third slash fourth revolution that we are living now, uh, wh where there's a combination between the digital and knowledge societies. 
Okay, so when we look at all of this, we see this is the greater context. So this multiplies our questions about what does it mean to live in today's world, especially when we look at it from this first angle, from this first theme of knowledge. So we looked at knowledge, we looked at apl, reason, the relationship between them, and then we said we also need to look at the alternative. Does Islam say that you either acquire knowledge and aql and use aql or you're, you can remain neutral or does it say that the only other option is jahl? And this is what we saw when we went through the topic of jahl through the narrations and through the verses of the Holy Quran. We saw that in our religion it's very clear that there is no in-between. There is no neutral space where you can choose you can decide that, you know what, uh, the little knowledge that I have, the little application of aql that I do, this is enough, this is good enough for me, and the rest I can remain uh, in the state of neutrality. I don't need to become bad, I'm not going to be super good, so I'm going to remain somewhere in between. We saw that the more we dug into the narrations and the verses of the Holy Quran, we see that this is not an option. In the Quranic vision and the Islamic vision of the human being, there is no neutral ground. You are at every moment in your life, you are either moving towards becoming better through the application of knowledge and aql, or you are regressing. You are losing potential. You are being lowered and losing humanity. And this is what we saw again and again in the hadith and the narrations as well as the verses of the Holy Quran and we looked at a number of we spent uh, I believe three lectures going through uh, a large number of hadith and as we said there is so much more to cover but we're trying to move along in the series uh, and then we spent the last uh, lecture that in which we met uh, we spent it uh, focusing on the verses of the Holy Quran so the part that we have not done and that we've been doing from the beginning of the series is that every time we go through one of these topics, we want to be able not to be overwhelmed with the richness of the information, with the amount of information that we find in these hadith. So we try to extract what we're referring to as Islamic principles. So when we look at the importance of aql, when we look at the importance of ilm, when we look at what Islam says about Jan, what are the principles that we can extract? And inshallah, as we go through the principles, these basically become the conclusions that we wanted to achieve when we began the series. What are the Islamic principles by which we live? So these are the short answers and the detailed answers are being provided in the full lectures that we're going through before, right? When we comment uh, and we find the the narrations, the traditions, and the verses of the Qur'an that uh, explain all of this in much more detail. So today what we want to do, inshallah, is to highlight those principles, and this will serve, alaykum assalam wa rahmatullah, this will serve to a large extent as the recap for the entire topic of jahl, uh, and then we will introduce afterwards uh, the new topic that we want to uh, begin with, which will be uh, the relationship between knowledge and action and knowledge and intention. So these are not necessarily in the same order as they were presented 
And the truth is there's a lot more principles than what I'm going to go through, but I thought it would be too much to uh, provide these in a lot more detail. Uh, I think this kind of covers at a good enough high level uh, that will also allow you to uh, kind of refresh your memory on what we covered uh, and also cover without going in the details everything all of the main topics that we touched under jahl so a first principle is that if it has become an attitude if it has become a way of being then we require some drastic measures to get rid of it so if ignorance if jahl becomes a way of being if it becomes our normal way of being in this world by default, this is how we are, by applying this notion of jahl. And as we said, we translated jahl in English as in, with two terms. And we're going to come back to that at the end. First meaning the lack of knowledge, ignorance, and also foolishness, silliness, foolishness. We said, if this is your normal way of being, where you're not constantly seeking knowledge and seeking the application of aql, then we saw the hadith, there was one in particular from Imam al-Askari in which he was saying breaking these types of habits is almost like a miracle. Right? And so there's a lot to be taken from that when it applies to us, when it applies to, for instance, how we plan on raising our children. So, so that I have to make sure for myself I don't fall into this. Because I'm being warned that once you fall into it, it's going to be extremely difficult to get out. If this becomes a habit or a way of being, Good luck breaking it. So work on those habits. Work on who you are by default, second nature, so that those things that may seem difficult but you want to achieve, they have to become like a second nature for you. And then that will become also very difficult to break. Right? So make the good things difficult to break. And don't make those things that you want to get rid of and you know that they are problematic. We know that jahl is problematic. And there are dozens of other things that we could talk about that are very problematic. You know that it's a problem. Don't let that continue to slip in a way that it becomes your habit. It becomes your way of being. When, once it does, then it becomes that much more difficult to break, to change, to transform the person. So this applies to you, but it also applies to anyone else, including, for instance, and that's why I mention it, inshallah, all of you will have children. You don't want to put the child in a situation where then you have to break a bad habit. Don't let the bad habit form in the first place. You have to understand what are and what am I exposing myself to? What am I exposing this person to? And what type of habit might ensue? What type of habit might come out of this? Right? So that I am not stuck now trying to fix it after the fact. Let's work by preventing it from the beginning. Okay? So that's the first principle. A second principle we saw is that ignorance is that which leads to mistakes. And we saw a large number of ahadith talking about this, as well as loss. And the types of loss that we saw touch basically everything. Whatever you could think of, if it is not based on reason, and if it is not based on knowledge, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not aware of it, if you don't understand it fully, you're going to lose it. 
So this could apply to things like dignity and moral character, and it can apply to money, and it can apply to uh, a project, and it can apply to this life in general, and it can apply to your eternal life in the hereafter. If what you're doing is not based on knowledge and on aql, the end result is going to be mistakes, and then eventually complete loss. And we saw a different wording for this. Right? We, we talked about it being a plague, uh, that you're going to be led to ruin, uh, destruction, and so on and so forth. And then specifically, we saw uh, a number of hadith talk about how the lack of knowledge is that which corrupts your afterlife. So your eternal existence, your eternal fate, depends on the amount of knowledge that you have. Not having enough knowledge opens the door to entirely losing the point for which you came into existence in the first place. Okay, so, and I think we explained that enough that we don't need to spend too much time on it. The corruption of every affair and everything. So we have examples of this in this world. Uh, and Inshallah, we're going to come to other uh, principles that start reflecting this, where not only does it talk about things and moral character, it also talks about people and the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people so that you do not get dragged into this state where you're completely losing all sorts of things. Those people that want to live a life of ignorance, lack of knowledge, lack of aql, they will bring trouble to themselves and they will drag people around them down with them. And so this is something that we have to keep in mind as well. Another principle that we saw is that it cannot lead, as we saw in a number of hadith, it cannot lead to might and it cannot lead to power. If you are looking for izzah, if you are looking for might, if you are looking for power, you are never going to find it where there is lack of knowledge and where there is a lack of aql, you are never going to find might power. You're going to find inferiority. You're going to find weakness. You're going to find confusion. To the extent that there is going to be an application of knowledge, an application of aql, you are also going to see might and power associated with that. And we saw in the hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the imams would say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not allow might and power, this izzah, to come where there is Jahl. Jahl and Izza do not associate. They don't go together. You either have one or the other. So choose. And so from this, we also saw a number of hadith, and inshallah they are put in a way where you can see a little bit of logic between them. We saw a number of hadith that talk about ignorance, Jahl being the enemy. And so, of course, when you go through all of this, of course, symbolically, you understand that this is something that you must stay away from. But it's not just stay away from it. You have to fight it. So this means you have to take specific steps, concrete, practical steps, to make sure that this ignorance is not reaching you, is not affecting you. Especially if you keep in mind the hadith that talked, for instance, about a plague, right? Ignorance being a plague. Look at everything that we're doing right now because there's a plague going on. All the precautions that everyone takes. If you really understand jahl as being something like this, 
What are you doing to make sure that this doesn't affect you? That it doesn't affect your family, it doesn't affect your loved ones, it doesn't affect your community, and it doesn't affect the ummah, the society, the community that in which you live. How much is being done for that? So, when the Imams say that it is an enemy, an enemy must be fought. You cannot just sit passively and say, yeah, I know that that's an enemy. I've identified the enemy. And now I'm just going to sit back and wait to see you know, what's going to happen. If you recognize that that's an enemy, then you recognize that you're under threat. You have to eliminate that enemy. You have to do something about it so that it's you or the enemy that survives at the end. All the forms of greed, and we saw that in a number of hadith, all the forms of greed, the love of this world, that you always want more, that you're obsessively trying to catch on to something in this world, they all stem from jahl. And this is also associated with arrogance, all the forms of arrogance, also associated with the love of this world in itself. So there is the love of the things in this world, the, your obsessive, your compulsive desire to own things, to not let things go, to you know, sell everything that you have to acquire certain things, including dignity, including morals, including values. And then life itself. Is this not what we're repeating? So sometimes this might be apl applicable to this or that thing in our lives. It might be that job that we're trying to pursue. It might be money. It might be a person. It might, whatever it may be. And sometimes when you step back and you look at it, you see that in fact this applies to everything in your life. This is a, 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 a smaller example here where you really see yourself running after a specific thing in this world. But the truth is you're repeating this everywhere. And so in short, you're running after this world, which once again means that you've completely missed the point. You're acting, your starting point is a starting point of jahl. You've missed the point of your existence in this world. This world is a bridge to something else. Use it in that way. Use it so that it's an instrument, not a, an end in itself, right? So, as we said, all the forms of exaggerated caring about this world, uh, and the excessive love of this world in itself and basically not seeing that this world and everything in it can become if you fail to see if you fail to use knowledge if you fail to use aql they basically become distractions so you've lost track of the true thing you're looking at by being distracted by the ornaments by the decorations as the holy quran calls it zina zina al hayat al dunya right there's you, you've put the decorations there. When you have a child, you can distract them with shaking of the key or you know a play or something so that you keep their mind off of something else. That's exactly, you fell into the trap. You are being tricked. You are going after the distraction instead of the thing for which you were created in the first place, which is what we've been referring to, aql, or the deeper understanding of things. The superficial understanding is the decoration is the beauty of this world. And it's very seductive, very attractive. It grips and you slip into it. But then there's something that is much deeper for you to see, if you're willing to see. That's the aql. That's a deeper reflection, the constant analysis. What am I really looking at? What am I really seeking here? 
Am I falling into the trap? Am I just working for something that does not go beyond this world? Then in that case, it should already raise a flag. Or is there some way to use this as an instrument for something that helps me in my afterlife? And then we saw a number of ahadith that talked about the importance of stopping, the importance of pausing if I am uncertain. If I don't have full knowledge of a topic, of a theme, of a challenge, of an action that I want to take, I need to stop, I need to analyze it, I need to think, and most likely I need to acquire some more knowledge about it. Whether I do my own research, whether I talk to other people, whether, whether I have to be open and honest enough with myself that I know I don't know enough about this. There, there is still some unknown and maybe it's not time for action yet, that it's time for more thinking and more discussion and more reflection, right? So as we saw, and we saw this in a number of, um, you know, hadith and some of them we were being basically told, you stop and you find out the full truth. And uh, no one would end up becoming a disbeliever and no one would end up being misguided in this world if people actually stopped when they did not know. Right? Imam Ali says, there would be no kufr and there would be no balal in this world if people, when they did not know, they say, I don't know, and they stop instead of continuing on a path where you're building constantly on the unknown. Right? The part that you don't know, you start coming up with your own interpretations, your own conclusions, your own opinions. And this was the hadith that we began with the last time we met from Imam salam, where he says, for the person who doesn't know the way, moving faster will only bring them further away and faster away from their aim. Because you don't know where you're going. Right? لا تزيده سرعة المشي إلا بلالة. The more lost you are. The more you try to move towards a target, but you don't know the way, the information is not complete, the more misguided you will be. The further away and the faster it will bring you away from that which you are tra actually trying to reach. And then we said, <coughs> when we look at the types of you know, character traits that we can have, jahl was associated with things like arrogance. It's difficult to remain a jahil if you are actually open to hearing from others and if you have the humility and the modesty to recognize yes here I made a mistake yes here I need to learn more yes here I should probably ask others what they think if you have that type of openness and that type of modesty you will not remain a jahil right you are on a path to growing and improving and learning but jahil is associated with arrogance you close the door to that you reject it you become stubborn to it and so you don't grow and then there's an aloofness there is an obliviousness where because of this attitude you are not even going to realize at some point you're going to start believing the lie about yourself that you actually think that you're not jahil right and so you don't even realize how jahil you are you become oblivious to it some of those around you may see it, some may not, but some may see it, but they won't come tell you because they don't think it'll do anything. They know your character, they know how you'll react. You don't have that type of openness and humility and modesty to take that type of feedback. 
So this is where you see that initially there's an arrogance, but then there's also an obliviousness. And in philosophy they say you, you fall into a double ignorance. A simple ignorance is you don't know. I don't know something. A double ignorance is I don't know that I don't know something. I don't even realize that I am lacking knowledge about something. I don't even know that that something exists, for instance, to know how much I don't know about it. Right? That's a double ignorance. And so this can apply to us too. We don't even realize. We become completely oblivious about how we truly are. So we talked about the arrogance, the lack of humility, and we saw a number of hadith in which we were basically being told that advice is not going to be useful to someone who is really a jahil. So how do we know? It's because of the constant interaction with this person. We know that, no, this person is truly a jahil in that sense. Someone who has this type of foolishness and arrogance where they are not going to be open to getting any constructive criticism, as they say. Knowledge and reason significantly change our outlook. And we saw a number of hadith related to that. You saw in which, for instance, we were told that something that a alim or a aqil is going to consider very, you know, something that brings them to peace, makes them happy, the same thing is going to make that person who is jahil, they're going to be very agitated around it, very uneasy around it. What's the difference? Those two are human beings, they have the same faculties, they have the same traits, the same desires, the same impulses. How come that one thing makes one person at peace? This is where they find their happiness and the other person becomes uneasy or dislikes this. They hate it, they want to fight it. And we talked a lot about that, we're going to come back to it. What do people fight? They fight that which they don't know. This is the knowledge and the aql. So this person who has your knowledge and your aql is going to change your outlook on life. One person may find something funny, the other doesn't. What's the difference? Aql, knowledge. One person may find something extremely beneficial and they go after it and they're willing to put in time and energy and money into it and the other person doesn't. What's the difference? Knowledge and aql. The only difference that's going to make someone view the world in a certain way and the other person views it in a different way. Okay? And we also saw within that that and therefore those people attract each other. And it's only normal. So those who are jahil, those who have this type of ignorance and foolishness, they attract each other. And those who have this type of aql and ilm also should attract each other. And so we said, you know, for, for myself, when I look at myself and I see that there are certain traits that I want to work on, or there are people that I see something in them that I think is desirable, I have to wonder, do I feel easy in that environment or with that type of person or working on that type of thing or not? If there's a lack of easiness, this is something foreign, this is something difficult, there's a distance, I need to work on that. Right? It means that there's something in my worldview, something at the level of knowledge and something at the level of aql that is different between me and this person that makes them this way and that makes me this way. But they were not born this way, nor was I. This is something I work on and then I can become just like them. 
Okay, so this is also something I think I referred to it during the lectures as a litmus test, right? We apply it to ourselves. Those things that I, I know deep down that this is something that is good, and yet I'm not attracted to it. It's extremely difficult for me to go in that path. So what's the difference? What's the difference between me and this other person that I see to whom it looks like it's something that they can pursue easily? They can work on much more easily. And it's so difficult for me. What's the difference? And I would bet that the first main difference is the knowledge. They have a different type of knowledge, either in quantity or quality, about that thing than you do. You need to start seeing what do they know about this that I don't. I think that will be your first point. And then how do they analyze it? How deep does their thinking go about this? This is their application of Apple. Am I stuck at the superficial level when I look at it and theirs is going much deeper? Is that the issue? And then I need to work on that. So this becomes also something, inshallah, practical that we keep in mind. We also saw a number of hadith that talk about how goodness, anything good should not be really expected from a jahil. And we said there's a different, different ways, there are different ways of understanding this. One way is simply to say that because of their jahil, they're not really aiming at doing something good. So the intention is bad to start with because it's starting from ignorance and it's starting from foolishness. So that's kind of the easy interpretation, the superficial first layer. The second layer is that no, in a lot of cases, and I think this is what the hadith is, is getting at. In a lot of cases, and inshallah it doesn't apply to us, but I'm sure it does to a certain extent to all of us in certain things. You have good intentions. You're trying to do the right thing. But because of your jahl, you mess it up. And this is why the hadith say, no good can be expected of the jahl. No, no one amongst us here is a jahl in everything, right? So if someone is being referred to as a jahl, it's either you're looking at those things that really matter the most or in general. Otherwise, for the most part, when we look at ourselves, none of us is going to be a jahil in everything. There are things we know much more about, and we act much more in accordance with our values and our principles, and other things we have weaknesses, right? And this is where we have to look for that jahil. And those are going to be different from one person to another. For each of us, there is something to be worked on. So when the hadith say no good can be expected, it's that in that area where you know that you have jahl, most likely it's going to go back to the ahadith that said mistakes will be made, misguidance will happen, arrogance will happen, stubbornness will happen. This is where you find it. So even though your intention might be good, at the end, because you didn't approach whatever you're approaching from a position of knowledge, then you're going to lack something and it will end up not being really good. That's kind of the second layer of that hadith. The third layer of that hadith, which we haven't really talked about, but that will be the next topic that we'll introduce today, is that sometimes you're trying to do the right thing, and in appearance, it might still look like it's a really good thing that you're doing, but the intention behind it is not good. The intention of it is an intention of jahl, and we're gonna touch on that today. We're gonna start the next topic with that today. And we'll see how the intention will ruin entirely the entire action. Even though it may not look like it in this world, 
And that's not because it's not the case. It's not because it's beautiful in this world. It's that we're looking at it superficially in this world, so it may look like it's perfect. But the truth is, if we looked at it from every angle, we'll see how much ruin and destruction it's causing, but we're not seeing it. But where it's really clear is if we were to look at it from the spiritual dimension, and this is where you see the intention, and how harmful it is that you're performing this act, but with that intention. How, to what extent it entirely nullifies your own energy and your own effort into this action, and how much it can cause, you know, how much damage and harm it can actually cause in the outside world as well. So we'll talk about that, uh, inshallah, more at length. We spent some time seeing a number of hadith talking about how ignorance and those who are ignorant, those who are fools, are those who are easily tricked, those who are easily duped, right? And so we saw that without having enough knowledge and without having enough of a deep understanding of what happens in the world, you're very easy to manipulate you're very easy to control. You fail to see things as they really are. I can put some sort of ornament in front of you and you're gonna be distracted by that ornament. I can you know, spin a narrative to you and present it and you will take it at face value. And I can make you do whatever I want. I can easily trick you because I know what motivates you, right? Because you are not someone whose identity is anchored in knowledge and in aql where you're constantly being critical and thinking deeply about everything. So I can trick you. I can use the faculties, the lower faculties, where we know that they are only under the control of something much deeper like aql. So if it's not being used, then you're at the mercy of those faculties. You're a slave to them. I can use your biology. I can use your arrogance. I can use your uh, greed. Every human being has these impulses within them. I can pull on any of them and I can move you in that direction I want if you're unable to use your aql. And so this can be applied to societies, this can be applied to communities, this can be applied to very material, you know, day-to-day -day social life. And it can also apply to me, myself, my life, my relationship with, you know, my, my Satan, my devil how easily I trick myself, how easily the shaitan tricks me, how easily this world tricks me, or how easily I can be tricked by a politician or a businessman or you know, this life in general, by the media, whatever it may be. So this is going to apply to all of this. So on the one side, the more you are equipped with knowledge and aql, the more you're going to also have a critical eye to everything, and you're gonna be in control of your fate, of your destiny and you're going to have discipline. It's not easy to move someone who knows where they stand and why they stand there. It's the other person who doesn't have that knowledge. You can shake them and move them. Right? The Quran says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَا يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ حَرْفٍ خَيْرٌ Right? There are people who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on, you know, an iota, based on something very, you know, very, very fragile. The least wind that comes makes them, one wind will make them become the greatest worshipper and the other wind makes them, you know, a disbeliever rejecting God and religion. The Quran said, why? It's because it's not anchored in anything. This is someone who, you know, 
they're shaken very easily. Ya'budullaha ala haf. Right? In any case, let's continue here. Um, then we saw a number of hadith, how they talk about the fool is the person who sees everything with their eyes instead of with their heart or their mind. So this is a superficial versus, you know, those who can reflect more deeply at, at everything they, they look at. Uh, the fool is also the person who considers their greatest wealth, the possessions that they have in this world. The fool is the person who relies on hopes and dreams instead of on action. So inshallah, this becomes a very important lesson for all of us. Hopes, dreams are amazing and important and necessary. But what are you doing concretely about it? Right? The dream has to be something you're pursuing, but the action is what will get you there. What are you doing in terms of action to get there? Okay, and so this, of course, has a spiritual dimension too. That it's not just by hoping and, and wishing that, you know, I go to heaven that I'm going to reach there. Or I want to rely on this or that, you know, perhaps misguided or misunderstood notion. Everything depends on my action. And inshallah, we're going to start that topic today. The fool is tricked by their own desires. The fool is going to be the person, therefore, who lacks discipline. Because we said the desires are basically when you're following, when you're becoming a slave to impulses within you. Okay, so when you see that in the hadith, there's a constant reminder that the fool, al-jahil, is a person who can get tricked by their own desires. It means that they have no discipline. That they are stuck in the instant gratification. I'm hungry, I eat. Right? That's it. There's nothing else. There's no filter that says, wait a minute. Should I eat? Is this good for me? Is this the time to eat? Should I eat this or something else? That's a filter that delays this. Should I eat at all? So there's kind of a biological level, but then the thinking goes much deeper. Are you a slave to that? The instant gratification? I'm looking for something. I go get it. And that's one of the main purposes. Inshallah, there will be a, another theme. Uh, and, and the next theme, we're going to really spend a little bit of time on What's the purpose of religion? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveal religion to humanity? And one of the main purposes of religion is to give us that type of discipline so that a human being becomes a human being by not being a slave to the animal impulses. Otherwise, you're just a biological entity. That's not a human being. That's just the animal of the human being. That's the biology, the chemistry and the biology of the human being. What else do you have? Where's your discipline? What are your values? What do you stand for? It should show in every action. So you can't be controlled and you can't be enslaved by your biological desires. Otherwise, you're just a biological entity. And the human being is not a biological entity. It's the spiritual aspect. And the biology is there supporting. Biology is supposed to be there as an instrument. But really, what you are is the spirit in that entity. And one component of that is your biology. Right? So, inshallah, we'll come back to that as well. And so, as part of that, we also saw, saw a number of ahadith because of its importance that we're highlighting a specific faculty. So, faculties in general, the fool is going to be a slave to those faculties. But specifically, the fool is a prisoner of their tongue. 
right? This inability to hold back in the tongue. You always want to talk and you talk before you think and then you regret and then you have to, uh, if you have, you know, at least that consciousness to regret and otherwise you will not even lower yourself to, you know, apologize or regret, right? You'll consider everything you do as good. And so um, this is also going back to the idea that you don't speak about something which you have no knowledge and that is part of wisdom and aql not to say everything you know about everything and so on and so forth. And then we talked about how like attracts like. So the importance that we surround ourselves with people who are going to push us in that direction. They are going to impact us in that direction. The fool is never acting in a moderate or balanced way. And so this is also something that we have to look at ourselves and our lives very closely. When I act, when I look at my life in general, in totality, do I feel like I'm really emphasizing certain portions and not enough others? Then it means there's jahl there. Right? This is the ifrab and tafriq that we saw in the hadith that talk about jahl. Jahl is always in two states, we were told. They're either doing too much or too little. So where you think that you are actually being balanced, good for you. But where you think that there are lacks, then this is a jahl. These are the areas of jahl in your life that you have to focus on. The fool is either aimless or aiming at something that is not there. And we spent a little bit of time on that. I, I won't dwell on it. But basically the aim of the jahl is not there, right? In the, in the hadith. The thing that which they are running after, pursuing, is not there. Okay, so if they are completely delusional or not going at it in the right way. Again. The habits and the attitudes are extremely to are extremely difficult to break. We talked a little bit about that. Um, the fool is much more in awe of the aql than the aql is of the fool. And so this was the importance of, uh, you know, the, the fact that the more you are a aql, the more the world sees that. As much as sometimes it becomes difficult to be the one who applies aql and to live by aql, the truth is that those who are living by jahl, they recognize the aql. They know that this takes discipline. They know that this is based on knowledge. They know that all of those things. Sometimes they're not willing to go there for all sorts of reasons. But they are much more in awe of the person who is applying aql. And so therefore there's also a component here that, you know, take this with pride and use this as something positive. Let this encourage you that at the end of the day, you are the stronger person. You are the bigger person. Even though it sometimes may look like those who have jahl are the ones who are winning, so to speak. Okay? Because that what they fail to see is usually that how is it that you have that type of discipline? How is it that you ha you can live by values? How is it that you can have a life that means more than you know what the jahil is after? Right? This is the part that is difficult for them to understand. This person is, let's say they are pursuing wealth or fame or, 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 and they see that you are not. You are able to elevate yourself beyond that. Why? Why are you different than them? Why are you not seduced? Why are you not, not running after those things? What makes you so special? Right? This is the, the big question. And this makes the person who is looking at the aql always in awe. Every time you stand in front of someone who has more aql, you will be in awe. 
because they are pursuing things that you are not. They're willing to put in things that you are not doing. So there's this constant questioning of yourself. And so if you do the same thing, great, you're now on the same path. If not, then, you know, you're going on divergent paths. This person is headed somewhere and you are headed somewhere else. We talked about, um, you know, the traits of the jahil, and there were many of them, so I did not want to put these in, in different uh, principles. It would take us a long time. So in short, some of the traits of the ignorant and some of the traits of the fool is that they are overconfident. We talked a lot about that. They are self-reliant. They, they don't use the counsel of others. They, they're not open for discussion. Uh, they don't go seek advice. Uh, they're arrogant to admit mistakes or to learn from them. Uh, they have a lot of enmity and conflict with people. Uh, they are uh, concerned with what everyone has to say about them, and so they want to have a reply to every criticism and so on and so forth. Uh, they constantly want to show everything that they know and how they know more than others and, uh, and so forth. They rely on this world and the means of this world only and exclusively, and they make awful companions. Okay, so we saw a hadith related to all of this. They lead to your ruin, they are ungrateful, they divulge your secrets, and so therefore get away. Okay, user be warned. Uh, foolishness is that uh, action contradicts knowledge. And we spent a little bit of time on that, and we're going to build on that as well. Is that if you have knowledge, but your action is not matching that knowledge, then this is foolishness. So we, we saw the many. Uh, layers of this, the meaning of this uh, hadith. Uh, the greatest foolishness or the greatest ignorance is to ignore one's self and one's affairs. And so inshallah this is going to become the object of an entire theme in this series where we talk about, we talk about character development and knowing ourself. Okay, and then people are afraid and they are enemies of that which they do not know, of that which they have no knowledge. And so they, you're constantly finding faults with those things that you don't really understand fully. And ignorance is a fast track to misguidance and being uh, or losing the way. This was what we covered in the hadith. I'll try to go a lot faster here uh, for what we covered in the verses of the Quran. So we went through 20 sets or 22 perhaps sets of verses of the Quran that talked about jahl. People hate and love things based on their knowledge. And we saw the end of that verse. If I love and if I hate, it's based on my knowledge. Right? It's a lack of knowledge that makes me love and hate, and it's acquiring knowledge that will make me also love and hate. And so you keep that in mind sometimes when we wonder, you know, why do we spend so much time, let's say, talking about the Holy Prophet and Ahl al-Bayt how can you love something if you don't know it, right? Or how can you hate their enemies if you don't know who they are and what they did? And then it, the love and the hate come naturally out of your knowledge of what happened, what transpired, right? The sources uh, of lack of manners and virtues. And we saw a number of examples in the Holy Quran, namely in Surah Al-Hujurat, where these people were yelling at the Holy Prophet by just using his name from behind the walls or the rooms as one example of lack of manners in this world. The sources of internal complexes, 
internal issues, psychological issues, uh, spiritual diseases, you know, jealousy, envy, being okay with harming others for my own desires, feeling inferior, uh, inferiority complexes. We saw that, for instance, in the example in Surat Yusuf how his brothers tried to get rid of, the, of him. Yusuf at the end, when he says, uh, do you know what you did to Yusuf and his brother when you were in a state of ignorance? Kuntum jahilun, right? In another uh, set of verses, we saw how ignorance is that which can lead to, we called it this blinding rage. Right? And we associated that, inshallah, we'll have time at some point in the series to really maybe spend an entire lecture. If you guys are interested, would even deserve more to talk about this notion of jahiliyyah, right? the age of ignorance. Why does the Holy Quran refer to it as jahiliyyah? The age of ignorance, the, the age of lack of knowledge and lack of aql. Right? And so we saw examples of that in the Holy Quran. One of them is that the Quran said, and so they carry in themselves or in their hearts the hamiyat al-jahiliyyah, al-jahiliyyah, this blinding rage, uh, an anger that makes you incapable of seeing anything past your anger. So you become stubborn, you fail to think long term, you fail to think in moderation about all the different angles, all the different possibilities. No, you're stuck in the moment and you're completely guided only by your rage. The lack of knowledge to false beliefs, right? So it leads to false beliefs and acting with hypocrisy. And so you have lack of knowledge. You don't have true knowledge. You don't carry that knowledge. And so you are still living as some people were at the time of the Holy Prophet amongst the believers, but they don't carry the faith. So they live as hypocrites. And so this triggers other types of issues internally. You constantly live in a turmoil and anxiety and stress. You're living a double life. You're not sure of one or the other. You don't know where you stand. You don't, you're never at ease. You never reach internal peace. And we saw really how the verses of the Quran talked about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and then he made to descend upon the believers a peace, right? And those who were believers in that, uh, after the battle of Uhud, those who were believers, they went to sleep peacefully, even though they had just suffered this loss because they understand what happened, they understand where the mistakes happened, whereas the others, they are constantly living in this turmoil and anxiety and stress. Okay, so all of this, again, stems from the carrying over from the age of jahiliyyah and therefore jahl. Making silly claims. So, because you have already decided that you are not going to believe in something, you completely reject something before it even reaches you, you actually look silly. You make silly claims. If only you could see, or if only you could hear yourself and how you sound when you say, I will only believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for instance, if he speaks directly to me or gives me a sign. As if that's known, the only way that humanity has believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for instance. Okay, uh, the, the fact that knowledge unites. The more people rally around knowledge, the more their hearts will be united and they will become one. And the more they don't rally around knowledge, the more disunited they will be. And this leads to cowardice. It leads to defeat. Okay, and the Quran talked about that. Acting without being sure may lead to regret and to harming others. 
the verses of al-fisq, right? Make sure that you reach the truth about something, investigate it, know what you're doing, and تصيبوا قوما بجهالتن. Then you are going to strike a people with that ignorance, فتصبحوا على ما فعلتم نادمين. And then you will be remorseful about that which you did. So don't engage in the first place, go investigate first, so that you don't end up regretting what you did later. We saw how a number of verses talked about Jahl being the source of corruption, of obscenity, of sinning in this world. We saw the verses of uh, Prophet Lut talking to his people and Yusuf and we spent a little bit of time on Nabiullah Yusuf and how he talks to about those women and how he says they're trying to seduce me and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you don't help me then I may be inclined to that which they're calling me out of and then I will become a jahil, right? This is out of jahil that, uh, that this would happen to me. So again, the, the source of corruption, obscenity and so on and so forth. Ignorance leads to following others blindly. And so we saw that with Prophet Ibrahim salam. Instead of knowing why you're doing what you're doing, when he talks to his people and he tells them, why do you worship these stones and these statues? They tell him, well, we found our forefathers doing this, so we do what they do, what they did. And he, he says, you know, Is this the best that you can give me? It's a, it's a shameful argument that you're giving me. You don't know what, why you're doing what you're doing. You're just repeating what you saw others do, right? And so this is, again, uh, the source of this is ignorance. And those who reject the truth are ignorant. And we saw the Qur'an put them in two different categories. We saw those who reject the truth and therefore they become the sheep, the blind followers. And those who reject the truth out of ignorance and they become the leaders. But they are blind leaders, right? Again, uh, without ilm wala hudan wala kitabin munir, right? in Surah Al-Hajj, in the beginning of Surah Al-Hajj. Ignorance, as we said, can lead to our lack of humanity. The verses of the Qur'an talked about how uh, those who uh, are not fully human are those who say, uh, they claim that they hear, but they do not hear, right? Or other verses that say, we gave them all of these faculties, so that they may see, so that they may hear, so that they may think, and yet none of those are used. And so this becomes kind of a warning that it's not enough to have a, a general or a superficial appreciation of knowledge. It's too cheap to be able to say, you know, yeah, I heard. I heard what there is to hear. They haven't really heard. The Quran says they have not really heard, which means when you look at the way they live, it doesn't reflect that they have actually internalized this knowledge. This knowledge is nowhere to be found in this person, right? So, and then ignorance is um, a choice that we make. We saw that in a number of verses. The choice that you're making between light and darkness, between life and death. Are you choosing ignorance or are you choosing ilm and aql? This is a constant choice that you are making. We looked at the life cycle of the human being and we saw that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says you are born in this world, you know nothing and if you live long enough, you leave this world and you know nothing. But in between, we have given you all these tools so that you may learn and acquire knowledge. But then when you reach the old age, 
this age of you become this lowly creature that does not know anything anymore. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically saying this is your merit. Your merit is what you are able to learn. And so your merit as a human being, your value as a human being really relies on how much you know and what you do therefore with that knowledge. Okay, so I think that one is, uh, is clear inshallah enough. And then ignorance is therefore in those cases associated. So imagine we understand this, we understand the initial point, we understand the end point, and imagine the person in between who decides that I will not use the tools given to me by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will allow me to elevate myself beyond this level of ignorance with which I was born and to which I will go back. This is the ungratefulness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. I gave you all the tools, all the blessings and all the favors. And so when we went to the verses that talk about those who are in hell, they openly say, what is their then? It's that they failed to use their aql. Right at the beginning of the verse, it said that. They are those who did not use their aql. And they are the worst of creatures. Those who don't use these faculties to become those who carry knowledge or those who use their aql. This is the greatest sin at the end of the day. And it shows in your actions. And it shows in this world as we just went through. But it shows in the afterlife too. And so the last thing that we mentioned is that this is also a label. This label of jahl is the label that all of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have done everything they can to stay away from. We saw it in a number of cases in Yusuf alayhi salam as we said. We also saw it in Prophet Nuh alayhi salam when he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about something to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him you, have, you don't have full knowledge of this. You're asking me about something of which you don't have full knowledge and therefore you are being ignorant. And so he said, I seek refuge. Right? So the same thing happened with Prophet Musa His people wanted to say, you know, you're being silly. You're asking us to do something. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never ask us to do something like that, which was to slaughter the cow to find who performed a murder, committed a crime. And he told them, I I would never do this type of silliness to fall in this label that, you know, uh, I would become a jahil or act out of foolishness. So with all of this, inshallah, part of the general conclusions that we may draw from all of this is that there is a relationship between ignorance and foolishness. And this, we began this topic with that and I'm coming back to it now. So when we began, we said we will translate this notion of jahl in Arabic with two terms, with ignorance and with foolishness. Ignorance is at the level of knowledge. Jahl means not having the knowledge, lacking the knowledge. But it also means the foolishness that goes with it, which is at the level of the action, that it shows them the actions of this person. The attitude and the action. This is the foolishness. Okay? So inshallah, this part is clear. And this is what we're going to build our entire next topic on. Right? Um, a recurrent theme, inshallah, that became clear is that constantly we saw that knowledge, we saw that ignorance is being portrayed as 
the main barrier preventing you from knowledge and aql in short preventing you from improving the moment you fall in jahl you close the door to constantly improving you're too arrogant you're not interested in advice you're not seeking knowledge you're a slave to your lowly desires and so on and so forth all of these are examples of not growing all of these are examples of not improving and so inshallah this becomes very clear until now and as we continue in the series that one core principle that perhaps we haven't said in this way yet has to be that in our religion there is a drive and there is a push to say you are constantly improving to stay at your level to be satisfied with whatever level you have in anything is not acceptable not when it comes to your humanity not when it comes to who you truly are we're not talking about the things of this world we keep repeating anything related to this world is an instrument to something else but when it comes to the things that define who you really are it's not sufficient if you understand all of this someone who doesn't know they don't know but now you know someone who knows this you cannot use that to constantly improve there's a push a good Muslim, a Muslim who has the maturity and the awareness, is a Muslim who is constantly improving. And that's the problem with jahl. Jahl makes you stop improving. Therefore, we have to conclude that constantly improving is one of the core principles that we need to extract from all of this. The next point that we wanted to talk about is that perhaps one thing that We've been talking about jahl, ilm, aql. This need to constantly improve. Improve means I, I act. I act based on knowledge. So to act based on knowledge means I have to acquire that knowledge. When did I acquire it? What did I do to acquire it? And this brings us to a very important topic that inshallah we're going to talk about more in detail later. But that's the topic of time management are you managing your time if there's a recognition that you're constantly improving and getting better are you doing enough and if not is the issue the typical issue that you constantly hear there's not enough time I'm too busy this is a matter of prioritization you have to be the one who decides what is important and how you're using your time so that, that at the end once you know this, you're also making the time for knowledge and action. Every time you want to act, your point is to act in this life. But to act, you have knowledge. You don't have the knowledge, go acquire it. Are you spending enough time on the knowledge? And if you do have enough knowledge, then you need to act. You need to dedicate time to action. Okay, so inshallah, we're going to come more uh, in detail to that point as well. And then from here on, inshallah, we are about to start the new series. The new series is to really focus now that we have understood the importance of ilm, aql, and the alternative, and how dangerous it is, jahl. We want now to see what makes all of this knowledge that we have, what makes it Islamic. So before we talk about the types of knowledge, which we already touched on and we're going to come back to, there's two conditions, let's call them, two 
components, two dimensions to knowledge that we have to keep in mind if we want to call this knowledge, knowledge is, that is Islamic. The knowledge that we've been talking about has to have two components that go with it. The first one is knowledge, and we touched on this, but now we're going to create a whole topic around it. True knowledge must lead to action. Knowledge that does not lead to action, there's something incomplete there. Islam does not really consider that true knowledge. That's one. That's layer one, step one. Step two, the moment you reach the topic of action in Islam, then action goes hand in hand with intention. Whatever you do has an intention behind it. The value of that action is based on the intention and the aql that you have. Do you know what you're doing? Or are you just repeating what, for instance, someone else is doing? That's one. And two, so why are you doing it? What's the intention? What's the true intention behind this action? So inshallah, the rest of the series, you see how they are, uh, you know, there's a domino effect. They, they, the, these topics follow each other logically. Knowledge leads to action. Action requires intention. So this topic that we're going to dedicate a few weeks to, a few lectures to, is going really to be focusing now on knowledge and its relationship with action and intention. So inshallah, the, the, the logic behind that is clear. We'll also spend a little bit of time focusing on two types of action. The first one is action related to knowledge. So after everything we have said, it should become clear that one of the first actions we have to take is to educate ourselves, is to acquire knowledge ourselves, to become the learner. And once we have become the learner, then we have to work on spreading the knowledge. So we have to understand how to spread the knowledge, the importance of spreading the knowledge, and who can spread that knowledge. So we'll dedicate time to talk about each one of these, inshallah. And then, so this, the point of this, inshallah, that will emerge out of all of these discussions is the importance in Islam of creating what we began with in this series, which we refer to as knowledge communities or a knowledge society. So this idea of an environment in which people are constantly dealing with knowledge, being educated or educating others, is it really foreign and new and external to how we think and it's so novel in today's world or has this actually been part of how Islam wanted people to be from day one and what we have referred to at times is saying Islam wanted to create a knowledge revolution Islam is about the knowledge revolution which unfortunately we don't really see right and then, of course, we'll spend a little bit of time on the idea of the intention, the purity of the intention, the ikhlas, and the niyyah, especially as it relates to knowledge. So I thought that I at least would mention one hadith today very quickly to, to give you a foretaste of uh, things to come. And I think it already addresses within it, maybe we start with it and we come back to it at the very end of the topic, in which you'll see a condensed, in condensed version what we're trying to get at. Uh, 
So there are a number of ahadith that have the same flavor and that talk about the same topic. I chose one from Imam Ali alayhi salam. He has quite a few. This one from Imam Ali alayhi salam. He says, طَلَبَتُ هَذَا الْعِلْمِ عَلَى ثَلَاثِ أَصْنَافِ Those who seek this knowledge, those who seek knowledge are of three types. The first type, before he says that, he says, أَلَا فَعْرِفُوهُمْ بِصِفَاتِهِمْ وَأَعْيَانِهِمْ so make sure that you know them based on their characteristics as well as their identity so that you're able to identify those people. Okay, all three of them, all three categories. So that you stay away from some people and you follow other people. And you make yourself of some people and not the others. صِنْفٌ مِنْهُمْ يَتَعَلَّمُونَ لِلْمِرَاءِ وَالْجَدَلِ A first type of people, they learn knowledge for arguing and disputing. That's the first type. And some people, وَصِنْفٌ مِنْهُمْ يَتَعَلَّمُونَ لِلْإِسْتِطَالَةِ وَالْخَرْكِ And there are people who are going to learn knowledge لِلْإِسْتِطَالَةِ الْإِسْتِطَالَةِ is someone who is making themselves greater than they are. Right? To take more space than they should to make themselves longer or bigger, right? Yastatil. So they make themselves greater. They learn knowledge so that they gain the fame and the reputation and the power that comes with knowledge. Lil-istatalati wal-khatl. Al-khatl is deception, to deceive, to put schemes together. The more you know, the more you can use it to do harm or to attract that which is, you know, worldly, good for you, for your own benefit. Okay, and then finally, وَصَنْفٌ مِنْهُمْ يَتَعَلَّمُونَ لِلْفِقْهِ وَالْعَمَلِ And there are people who learn the knowledge to gain a deep understanding of things. That's the meaning of fiqh and amal. And so they can act on that knowledge. So I don't think we need to spend too much time commenting on the hadith. This is the beginning of a longer hadith, inshallah. We will go through the longer hadith. But that's where we're trying to get at. Now that we know the importance of ilm and we know the importance of aql and we know the danger of jahl, we want to move into action. And that's why you see Imam Ali salam now here saying there are people who will learn it for action, but that's not everybody. There are a lot of people who learn a lot of knowledge for all sorts of other reasons. So make sure you don't become one of them and make sure that you're not following those people and following in their footsteps. Okay, so inshallah with this we covered what we wanted to cover and I think that's all the time we had for today.